Ladies and gentlemen, this is the BU Hockey Show. Thanks for one-timer. Down low for Cockrell. In front, Curry scores! BU moving it well, and a shot and a goal! Mueller deeks, saved by Schroeder! Got an opportunity for a shot, and she scores! Welcome to episode 26 of the BU Hockey Show. We're now further into the offseason, so the season review for both the men's and women's team continues. I'm Patrick Donnelly. With me is Brady Gardner. And Brady, got some fairly off BU topics to cover between the Frozen Four, and then we got our, our women's team season to unpack player by player like we did the men's. Yep, well and truly at the end of the college hockey season with the men's Frozen Four just wrapping up, kind of the, uh, the end of March Madness, obviously ending up in April here. Um, and, you know, this is kind of it for the college hockey season. We'll go over that tournament, the end of it, at least with the hockey East's finest in UMass ending up the national champions. Um, and then, of course, like you just said, we've got some women's hockey analysis, which feels like forever ago. I mean, their season ended almost two months ago, <laughs> right? End of February. So uh, we've got some, you know, memory digging to do on that one. But you know, they deserve the spotlight, too. So we'll be sure to uh, look at every single player on that women's team. Where do you want to start, though? Um, doesn't matter to me. We can start with the more recent news. If yeah, we want. let's do that. So UMass winning the national championship, the first in team history. We had our frozen four predictions, which weren't Not quite important. right. You know, we, we couldn't really see St. Cloud getting past Minnesota. They did. Nolan Walker is just an unbelievable player. Um, we've had UMass getting past, um, Duluth. Yeah. Um, which again, barely did in overtime. And then, you know, it's UMass St. Cloud and both of us were like, you know, happy for whoever wins here. We had skin in the game with the rooting interest in St. Cloud, but you know, hockey East team, both teams are vying for their first national championship. So it's hard to be disappointed either way. Um, and UMass just absolutely trounces St. Cloud state five, nothing. Um, Philip Blaganoff, probably the goal of the year. Um, and it's just, it's hard to believe St. Cloud went down with such little of a fight, but it was still a good game nonetheless. Well, yeah, and that's the only disappointing part about it, right? Because we loved the teams that were in it. We had seen both of them in person this year, which is pretty cool to say. You know, we were able to have a rooting interest like you talk about, but the game didn't exactly live up to the expectations. Like I was going in thinking, oh, these are two teams that play pretty similar. You've got UMass with, you know, not exactly one key star, but a very good team all around, great goaltending. And then St. Cloud kind of similar where their star Eastern Brodzinski was out. And so they were kind of making do with their depth. You know, both teams definitely play a, a physical style of defensive hockey, but are also dangerous offensively. And that's what they got. That's what got them to that point. And, you know, they're better in leadership as well. Very similar teams, it felt like, which made me think it was going to be a good game. And UMass just absolutely wiped the floor with them, which was too bad for our friends from St. Cloud. You know, we, we talked to a few of them and they made the trip down to Pittsburgh. Obviously didn't go well for them. Um, I'm very happy for our people over at UMass. Lots of Hockey East people getting a lot out of that win and definitely enjoying it. So uh, nice to see a, a pretty tricky season end in a positive way, at least for those around Hockey East. And, um, you know, a very deserving champion, obviously. So. Yeah, and, you know, we kind of had our reservations about starting Philip Lindbergh in that game and you know he comes in pitches a shutout takes the all-time lead in shutouts in NCAA tournament in history um so it was pretty much a, a thorough top to bottom effort by UMass and sure not having Easton Brodzinski is really tough for for St. Cloud David Rennick kind of got hung out to dry UMass was ready for the one two two unlike uh, Minnesota State um and yeah it is a little sad for St. Cloud um but again it's 
looking at credit to UMass, credit to Greg Carvel, you know, all this years of suffering and building it up um, has paid off. Yeah, it's wild. Like he took the blueprint of how to build a national champion team with the veterans and with the physicality, with the depth. And he basically rewrote that blueprint. Like now people will look at UMass and how did Greg Carvel build that team rather than looking at whoever else and oh, what did they do? And that's how UMass came to this point. Now UMass is that example. So that's pretty cool to see, you know, especially coming out of Hockey East, a team that we know well. And of course, we haven't been around for this entire rebuild. We don't know the struggles as much as I'm sure a lot of people around UMass and Hockey East do. Um, But just to see kind of the rise here, where a couple of years ago, out of nowhere, kind of that incredible season of Kale McCarr, last year they were going to be right there again before everything got canceled. And then this year they get it done with that national championship. It's been a great rise and, uh, and another major force in Hockey East. Like That's a team that's not going away anytime soon. Right. And I mean, not to say this came out of nowhere because I mean, I I remember my senior year of high school, um, UMass was on the up and up. Um, You know, you had, it was either going into my senior year or coming out of my freshman year of college, they made the Frozen Four. Mm -hmm. Senior year of high school was that real step forward. And, you know, Kale McCarr was a freshman and you were like, Kale McCarr, Mark Del Gaizo, these guys are coming in our big time freshmen. And then you have an even better freshman class coming in next year. So you could see it coming. It just had to come down to, I mean, like we say this in the NHL all the time, you know, it's well and good that you have all these wonderful, nice young prospects, but you have to develop them. You have to have them fit in your system. You have to have it work. And it all worked seamlessly for Greg Carville and the Minutemen. Yeah. And that's kind of the key to it the way that they have had this longevity and they've had the success year by year to now getting it to this point and being led by your veterans there where juniors and seniors are really the core of that team. And you can't help as a BU fan, but look at it and say, you know, I don't really know if we're trending in that direction. We've lost our basically entire 2018 freshman class. Now, you know, Matt Corsia entering the portal as well, as you reported last week, that's another bit of news to get to today. Um, but just like you look at BU and not exactly a team that seems like it's going to be veteran led down the road. And you wonder if that kind of puts a cap on what they can do because you're seeing teams like Minnesota Duluth and now UMass riding that experience all the way to a national championship. And can a team that's really, you know, essentially sophomores at its core and sophomores now juniors for BU being that big class, you know, can that get it done? You hope so, but you don't know. Yeah, and, you know, the knock against BU for a couple of years now is that they don't get guys to stay. Greg Carville got guys to stay. Even when guys left, he still replenished the system, stocked the cupboards enough where they were still okay. Mm-hmm. And you just you just want it to get to that point for BU. Well, yeah, and it's the tricky part there where you're trying to get the top talent. You're going to have the Kale McCars where obviously he's elite, but he is going to leave early. You know, and that's okay. That, that's, you need that part of your team that's at the you know, upper echelon of talent. But then you need guys that are going to be contributors, going to be producers, but will also stick around. Your Bobby Trevino's, you know, the Carson Jasevich out of nowhere kind of. Like guys that will be upperclassmen will still be incredibly productive and will stay. That's really easier said than done. And that's something that seems like, you know, we're trying to find a balance here at BU of having the guys, you know, that are good actually stay for three, four years. So, you know, hopefully there's a something heading in that direction for BU, but you know, as we say that, and hopefully it's going the right way, uh, they lose yet another veteran forward, Patrick. 
Yeah, so Matt Garcia entering the transfer portal, and there goes the entire 2018 freshman class. Jake Wise off to Ohio State. Jack DeBoer not going anywhere yet, or is in the portal, probably going somewhere else, definitely going somewhere else. Um, Garcia going somewhere else. You already lost Joel Farabee. You already lost Mark Terrametta halfway through that year, or not halfway through that year. After that year, you lost Dom, but only halfway through that year. You mm-hmm. lost everyone, everyone from that class whether it was turning pro or transferring. And I mean, like, it's got to be a reflection on somebody. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know who. There's I'm some not, kind of pattern, clearly. Like, I, I'm i not in the position to come right out and, like, like say, like, oh, it's this guy. Like, it's, like, I mean, can't say it's Al because we don't know for sure, but it's a reflection on something. Yeah. It's a reflection and on the state just, of the program, unfortunately. Yeah. And, like, to... You talk about UMass and even like BC, like in BU of old too, like you had even you were able to withstand losing that top talent like a Joel Farabee, like a Trevor Zegers, but you still had A plus collegiate players sticking around. Evan Rodriguez, Danny O'Regan, and I, I know those are upper, upper echelon guys, but you need to be able to find a way to attract guys who want to stay for at least three years that aren't goaltenders because yeah. that seems to be the only guys you can get to stay for three years. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, like it just feels like it's an endless cycle. It does. And you do kind of wonder, you know, what the deal is and maybe you could put some of it to just the transition of head coaches. Cause when these guys came in, you know, Albie wasn't his first year coaching. And so sometimes you get recruited under a certain system. You come in, you know, two, three years later after you were recruited and it looks different, and you say, well, this isn't really what I signed up for, or this isn't really working for me, and then you want to go. Three years in, though, as some of these guys, like they've had a chance to acclimate, and it just hasn't worked out. Maybe that's a tiny red flag for you. Maybe not tiny. Um, but I think the big thing here for me is just like losing a guy like Matt Corsia, you know, is it devastating? Are you going to, you know, all of a sudden your offense looks so much different? No. Uh, you know, he, he's good for a couple goals a year, and he'll spark, you know, a couple things here and there but he's not that you know, consistent producer that drives your offense, right? So it's not a devastating loss in that way, but he's a guy that had the right attitude, was important to you in the defensive zone, penalty-killing situations. He's a guy that did all those things that, you know, a guy that you like on your team, that kind of thing, and now he's out the door, and it's not entirely clear why. I guess just to get more opportunities, right? Because he wasn't going to be above the bottom six guy on this team. You know, maybe he thinks that he's more than that. Maybe he thinks he can crack a second line somewhere, um, but it is like it's a, a guy we we believe is, you know, a positive presence around the locker room. Um, seems like a guy that goes into it the right way and uh, and uh, no longer part of the BU team. So unfortunate. That's one of those, you know, and he, we liked him, too. Like when he was on our podcast last year, we're friendly with him. Like it's too bad to see him go but is what it is, I guess. Yeah, yep. I mean. I don't know what else more to say. No. It's just it's more than mildly concerning. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's the last of the losses, you know, and there's still time here. Um, but if, you know, you go into the off season, having lost just those three guys um, or four, I guess, because Witkowski is technically able to be back in this fifth year. But if it's DeBoer, Wise, Corsia, Witkowski, you know, there could be bigger losses than that. And you would oh, think, for sure. you'd think you could fill those holes in the transfer portal. And so, you know, we'll see how that ends up. Um, I did have a question. Yeah. And- for, yeah. And you do have a ta- another talented freshman class coming in. Mm-hmm. You just hope that 
A, they're able to make an impact because we saw last year the massive growing pains. This year you had guys in and out of the lineup all season long um, through no one's fault of their own. But you just hope you get some sort of consistency going, whether it's getting guys to stay or getting the most out of your younger players while they're here. Yeah, exactly. Um, my question for you was, you know, you look around Hockey East and there are teams that are adding. Right, BC lost its entire first line, and they've already gone out, and they've gotten a 34-point scorer from Bowling Green. They lost their you know, great goaltender, Spencer Knight, and they got a starter also from Bowling Green. Um, you know, UMass has already added two guys. Merrimack with two. Northeastern with two. Vermont with two. UConn with two. Like, you go down the list. You know, Providence added one. There are teams making additions here, and BU has kind of been quiet so far. Is that concerning to you, or are you just letting the process happen? Um, I mean, it depends on what you want for this team. Do you want them to get that young talent in here and cultivate their own thing? Or do you want them to sort of, I guess, go for it, add some experience, add some little more oomph in the middle of your lineup, which is probably what you're looking at in the transfer market right now. Like the best players available are probably first or second line guys. Um, I don't believe... Oh no, those are those are stats from the season because the Grand Forks Herald has an entire board of who's still out there. Yeah, like Cameron um, Wright from Bowling Green, twenty-nine point score. Pierre Luc Violette from Lake Superior State, twenty-seven points. Nick Perkusic of Robert Morris, twenty-five. Like Jack yeah. Adams, you know who knows his situation, but um, twelve or ten goals for twenty-two points two seasons ago. So. Yeah, so like, like, I mean, there's, there's plenty the of options out there. Like Matt Brown has not officially committed to. BC, I believe. Um, hmm. Even was I believe that was reported. Wasn't it Grant um, Crookshank that was the BC guy? It was still not official. Um, I don't think Grant Crookshank has is not official anywhere. It's been twice reported he's going to BC. He right. said it's wrong yeah. both times. Um, hmm. I believe we saw Matt Brown commit to BC as a report, but he's still listed as uncommitted on this board. Yeah. Um, but like there there are plenty of options out there, and like. Um, whether it's like a, you're, you get another hockey East guy, like a trace uh, chase grease hawk um, or, or what have you, but there's options there to whether it's, you want to add a high end player or bolster your depth, which well, neither of them would be anything bad for this team that you probably need to get at least one or two bodies out of this. Yeah. Well, you, it, cause you need to supplant what you already have and what you have coming in. Exactly. And that's kind of the balancing act where you know that you have a pretty good freshman class coming in like it seems you do every year and you figure naturally they can fill some of those holes and you'll be okay roster wise next year, even if you don't do anything here in the offseason. But then you wonder if there's a little bit of kind of a an urge to win now where you kind of have to have that urgency and you have to push things. And maybe that's what leads you to bringing in a veteran where maybe you're going to have to say to one of the freshmen, hey, you're going to have to earn your spot over this guy we're going to bring in who scored 10 points for X team last year. Like, I would like to see BU do that, where you bring in a little more competition out of that transfer portal and you can't guarantee anybody anything. And maybe that makes it t- you know, tricky for them to come in or for freshmen to still want to come. But I think that's how you get the best out of your team by having so much depth that there is that internal competition. I think that raises everything. I agree. So just a thought on the transfer portal. Um, hopefully uh, we see some movement from your terriers, but uh, still plenty of time to do that, of course. So is that everything for like news right now? I think yeah, so. I think so. All righty. Um, with that, I think we should go through this BU women's team player by player through their entire season. 
thoughts, like quick hit thoughts on the team. Like we did with the men's team last year, this time going back through the women, um, which like I said, testing the memory a little bit, because this was about a month and a half ago that their season ended. So um, we'll see what you can do here, Patrick. <laughs> I'll read off some names. You give your thoughts. Alphabetical as always, Alex Allen, the junior defenseman coming in uh, as pretty much the top dog on that defense. The only upperclassman playing 12 games with three assists for the Terriers. Yeah, I think she was solid. I mean, she was on pretty much the same exact pace production wise as she has been in past years, you know, seven points, her first two seasons, seven assists last year, a goal and a six, her freshman year, three assists this year. So pretty much the same pace. Um, But I mean, I do think there is some untapped offensive potential there. Um, But then again, you know, her job is defense first. She's going to be, she's more of the muscle of that back end, um, even though there's really no hitting in women's hockey. Um, But overall, I thought it was a solid season from her. Yeah, I I mean, I think we kind of maybe expected a little too much out of her, you know, being a clear 1A, you know, and and I think she's a very fine, like, defender, and uh, and that's just her her job. And I think maybe we thought that she could – be too much this year you know and she was still the good yeah. year but it was like you weren't going to be abby cook right we couldn't have asked no that. i don't think anyone was expecting that okay good um, um but alrighty. i mean i think i think it was maybe you know saying like she is the top dog of the defense i think we kind of saw that um it's probably equally her and nadia mativi this year which isn't a bad thing yeah exactly all righty uh next up is rachel allen of no relation senior played in 10 games this year um i've I mean, for what she was asked to do, solid. Um, I mean, you're not really going to expect the, any really production out of your fourth line there. Um, but by all accounts, phenomenal locker room, phenomenal teammate. Um, so she did exactly what was asked of her. All right. Next up is Haley Blinkhorn. Um, trying to find her on the stats. Seven games in her sophomore season. Yeah, that was a little disappointing, I think. Because um, she was solid last year, just didn't really find the score sheet. And then she doesn't really get the chance to play a whole lot this year because she was hurt a little bit. And so you wonder coming back, maybe that hampers her a little bit. She's already smaller as is. So now you got to work yourself back to game strength and game speed. So I, I feel like with a lot of these, we're not seeing an actual representation of what mm. this year maybe could have been. Um, but again, you, you just hope she takes another step next year because we shouldn't really get a chance to do that this year. Exactly. Another I'm going to say that a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, I was about to say the same thing. Like, this whole year was so strange, especially for this women's team. It's hard to come up with any like major takeaways or, you know, profiling I mean, we, a player. It, it, like, it's so hard. They played with half a team for a month. Exactly. But we'll try. Uh, next up, freshman Andy Calderoni played in 12 games with four assists in her freshman year. I thought she was good. Um, it's clear, you know, the skating ability there is there. Um, the vision is there. I thought she was better defensively. Than I than we may have given her credit for coming in. Um, it's just you know this growing and I'm gonna gonna, gonna say this a lot about the freshman defense because it kind of hampered them a little bit this year. But it's just those growing pains, learning to play the college game, learning to bring it every single shift and be re- defensively responsible when you need to be. Um, but overall, solid year. I'm excited to see her growth next year. That's right. Another freshman defenseman, Madison Cardacci. Cardacci. We still we need to learn Card- that. I believe one. it's Card. I believe it's Cardacci. Cardacci. Okay. Uh, freshman, um, four games for the Terriers. I mean, it's so tough. She played two games at the beginning of the year, and then or three games at the beginning of the year. Then they paused for a month, 
and then they came back after winter break and she was still gone um, and didn't play again until that one playoff game. But I mean, I guess it says something that she was put in there for the playoffs, but maybe it's more if you needed the extra body. Um, it's tough to tough to get a read when you only saw saw, saw three games. That's right. I, I would agree. You know, we had some high hopes for her as part of that big freshman class where the weight was going to be definitely on them defensively. Um, and, you know, just kind of unlucky that she didn't get more opportunities uh, with whatever she might have been dealing with. So hopefully a better sophomore year for her, or at least, you know, more involved, we can get a better idea of what kind of player she is. Um, but a player who we knew coming in uh, was going to be good and was good was Jesse Comfer. Nine games, seven goals, eight, uh, four assists for a total of 11 points in her senior season. She was by far the best player on this team. More than close. Um, I don't think not close. I don't. I don't think it's particularly surprising. Mm. Um, again, as she got robbed of a full season for whatever she was dealing with, um, and when she came back, she just lit the world on fire. Three point games only. Um, so, I'm ex- I I think, in my personal opinion, I think she's staying. I have no, I have no knowledge. I have zero knowledge at all. I'm gonna put that right now. I have zero knowledge. Dang it. My personal hunch is she stays. I have no clue, for real. Um, so if she does, then I think this it makes this team's chances next year a heck of a whole lot better because she is one of the best players the program has ever seen. Well, yeah. I mean, of course she makes them better if she stays, but why would she stay? Well, so she <laughs> has the Olympics in mind. Yeah. And she, 22. She, she would have she would have a job in the NWHL. She'd have a job in the PWHPA, both of which are doing great things. But you're not going to get the type of consistent ice time in those leagues because we've seen the NWHL this year, whether it, because of the bubble thing and COVID, um, there haven't hasn't been a heck of a whole lot of games. It's no one's fault, but even next season, you expect Comfer would get top minutes, top time, top ice time every single day with BU. And the PWHPA hasn't really had the consistent. Again, I many more people know way more about professional women's hockey than I do. But from what I can see, the PWHPA doesn't have a consistent schedule of games, especially this year. Again, COVID, no fault of their own. But even last year, they did tours, and it was a little infrequent. You didn't really know when the games were playing, were being played. And so I think just if we're talking about purely getting reps, purely getting ice time, I think the best place for her is Boston University. Yeah, but the Olympics are in February. And so do you want her with this team from October until – I don't know, January, but there's going to be, you know, games leading up to the Olympics. So she's going to have to be leaving BU constantly to go to that Olympic team if she makes it, of course. Right? Including for those two weeks through February at the stretch run of the season, even playoffs. It ends February 20th. The season usually ends right around then. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I guess it all comes down to that. I'm not holding my breath on it, unfortunately. And I agree. Like, I'm, best I'm not going to hold my breath either. I'm just saying if I, if she wants to get the most consistent ice time, yeah. it's here. Oh, of course. I just don't know how that works with the schedule and I know. getting in the Olympics. There's a lot of hoops to jump through. Definitely. But we'd love to have her back. So we'll see what happens there. Um, maybe we'll have to get Patty scoops on that one. Try to get a little more of an idea we'll work on that um <laughs> courtney correa is up next a junior forward 12 games two goals six assists for eight points second on the team i thought she was the second best forward on the team um and again the production shows um the the scoring kind of came later in the season she had a ton of chances in the first three games they played 
before the pause and winter break, and she just got snake bit a little bit. Um, but you know, playmaking was there. The ener- by far one of the most energetic players on the team, um, and she's a force in all three zones. So I'm really excited about what she can do next year as a senior with a full season. I agree. Very fun player to watch. Let's I think she should have a letter. Well, definitely, I'd agree. Kaylee Donnelly will probably have a letter. She'll be a senior after. She uh, has a letter. Well, yeah, I mean, she'll probably have it again. I wouldn't see why not. Um, 12 games, one goal, four assists for Donnelly as a junior. Again, it's, it, I think it was solid. I think with the chance to play up in the lineup, she kind of, she made the most of it and her and Korea seemed to have a pretty good connection when they were together. Um, so I think it was, it was about what we expected, you know, middle, middle, of the middle tier production, um, and again, responsible in all three zones, going to be relied on in key situations, especially penalty kill. Um, so I, th- I think it was against all year. Agreed. Nara Elia, the other co-captain with Com for 12 games, two goals, one assist. I think it was fairly disappointing. Hmm. Um, but, you know, again, it's, it's tough to get a full grasp of everybody's seasons because, you know, Nara Elia ideally is your second line center. And there she is, right winger, sorry. Um, And you lose whether it was a comp for, and that kind of shuffles everything around. Like the the lines were in a blender the entire year. So it's tough to, you know, work out that chemistry, especially when she had what she has with Christina Schuler. Um, But, you know, as a captain, as someone who's been able to do it before, you hope that that shouldn't be a problem and you can still find ways to produce. Yeah, I I was... I don't know. I always thought she's kind of a player that needs great things around her. And that's nothing about her. But like when you're a player that, you know, goes to the front and, and, you know, gets those kind of dirty area goals, like you kind of need that help from especially your center. And I'm not sure she always had that this year. Um, So it it was too bad for her. That's a player I could see using that extra season. Oh, absolutely. Really is pretty likely. Um, But again, something to determine as we uh, go along here. Next up, Brooke Ursoy forward as a sophomore. She had 12 games and one assist. Um, again, kind of exactly what you kind of expect out of that, out of a fourth line role. She's kind of, we, we said plays with that reckless abandon just goes out. <laughs> yeah. and it's just a menace on the four check. Again, you just wish the fourth line found a little bit more production, but you're not turning to them for that. Um, so overall with her barely playing at all going into the season and kind of turning some heads when she found the ice this year, um, for her effort, I suppose, and her style of play, that's probably that's a positive thing. Well, yeah, I mean, she uh, hadn't played many games before the season, and then she plays every single game this year for this team. Like, it's a little bit, and I know she's you know more of a veteran um, than Nick Zabonet, who I looked at the men's team, is like, who is this guy we don't really know? And all of a sudden, he plays every game, and every time he's on the ice, you notice him. Like, I felt the same way about Ursula. Like, you just notice she was out there. Production could be better, um, but she definitely made things happen. Uh, continuing, Catherine Foulem, freshman with 11 games, one goal, and five assists. I thought she was a little streaky this year, um, but again, that's expected right the way of this young player um, as you're finding your way along. Um, but overall, I liked what I saw. I think she, I think next year we're going to see a much better representation, especially production-wise. Um, but again, so six points in 11 games as a freshman, that's very solid. Um, and maybe playing hurt. She missed a game. Um, so I think with set, we're going to say this about every single freshman with set lines, knowing who you're going to play, 
with knowing who you're going to play with and just having a consistent schedule next year, I think it's going to be pretty good. Yeah, well, another solid pressure, even despite those circumstances, Tamara Giaquinto, 12 games and two assists for the freshman. Yeah, she was like Calderoni, solid two-way force in the back, and she was power. She was a second power play quarterback, so you would have hoped that there would have been more production there, but overall as a whole, the power play was pretty abysmal this year, both units, um, but I think it was pretty positive for her. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I was thinking this about um, Calderoni and decided I'd just wait until Giaquinto. Like, for both of them, I think they had positive freshman years. And even though they didn't light up the score sheet or anything, you know, I think by being available and certainly eating nice time, I think they had a, had a good year as a freshman and, and plenty to build on between the two of them. So I next agree. up, continuing this streak of freshmen, Lacey Martin of 11 games and one goal as a freshman. I thought she was a pretty impressive despite only one goal. Um, someone, you know, we didn't really have the highest expectations of coming in. You know, you played, you had great numbers in high school, but, you know, high school only means so much. Um, I thought the eye test, she looked really, really good. But again, it's just finding a way to capitalize on the score sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, Nadia Mativi is next player that came in with plenty of expectations, of course, uh, for her sophomore year, although we didn't know if she'd be there um, for, for a stretch there coming from Italy. Uh, but she was there for all 12 games and put up four assists. Yeah, and that's someone, you know, I think we're still waiting to see fully unleashed. Um, I think this year was just a lot of figuring out a new lineup, figuring out kind of a, a new way to play without Abby Cook. And now all of a sudden, Nadi Mativi is your best offensive option down there in the back end. And I think, you know, you, zero goals. But again, I probably put that as a product of the power play because we know how good her one-timer is and it just didn't really find a way through. Um whether it was, you know, the system's fault or her or her just not getting good enough shots off, who knows. But I think overall, solid year. Um, about the same, like she had 13 points, five and eight as a freshman. Um, it's about the same, same pace, you know, four points in 12 games, you know, times that by three. So about just about the same pace. Um, and you expect with a full season next year, she'll be even better. Well, right. And I think, you know, again, kind of like Allen, we expected her to really take a jump that I don't know is reasonable. Yeah. Um, but I, I do have, you know, like on a team where they were struggling so much to score, especially at the end, you would have just liked to see her just sit up at the blue line and just whack pucks on the power play. Like just anything yeah. near the net. And I don't think they really used her in that way. She wasn't like that, you know, at the, at the, uh, at the point, just blasting away the Abby cook role. I don't remember who did, who was that? Cause they had someone doing that, but it wasn't Mativi. Well, um, just like sitting it was you know, center field and just whacking away. It was Alex Allen. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, it was Allen. They had Mativi on, or maybe it was Gia Quinto. I think by the end of the season, it was Gia Quinto, unless I'm remembering things getting lost in the shuffle and changes midway through the power play. Um, but they had Mativi on the half wall, which they did on the second unit her freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see what she can do as the power play quarterback and kind of right. be that Abby Cook launching bombs from the point. Um, rather than, you know, on the, from the face-off circle, I think it'd be a better recipe for success because you get more tips, you'd get more rebounds that way. Exactly. Exactly what I was saying. Um, Next up, first goaltender on the list, Nicole McGuigan. If you remember, Patrick, one game, she played 20 minutes, had three saves, and a thousand save percentage for Nicole McGuigan in her junior year. She is yet to allow a goal in two games on her collegiate career. There is statistically um, not a better goaltender in the history of college hockey than Nicole McGuigan. 
aside from wins and full starts, yes. Saves, um, <laughs> shut, yeah. Technically shutouts, because um, you don't get it unless it's a complete game. Um, but, I mean, just from talking to Coach DeRocher, you know, very, very awesome teammate, um, at least according to what we are told. Um, and then it's awesome to see her kind of, especially in a game that was so bad and there was just no bright spot at all to have McQuigan kind of go out there and steal the show for a period, make some pretty awesome saves um, was pretty cool. Yeah. She was, you know, that one game, like it was, it was like uh, when, when Nick Lynch came in at the end of the, whatever game it was for the men's team, Nico Lynch. Nick, Nico Lynch, sorry. Against Concordia. Yeah, against Concordia. It was like just he stole the show. That's exactly what McGuigan did. That's probably all you know she's going to be asked to do in her BU career, unfortunately. Um, but I'm sure very important player, you know, beyond or behind closed doors. So next up, uh, a player we talked about plenty, Julian Neeris. The sophomore forward played only three games, but did have three points on two goals and one assist. Yeah, this is where like I really just think we didn't have a complete representation of this team at all. Because you can say you people think? were in and out of the lineup. But, you know, you don't have arguably your best goal scorer for the entire year. We're just going to say the entire year. Um, because when you got into the meat of the potatoes of the season, she wasn't available. And I think if she is around and she's available, this team looks a heck of a whole lot better. Um, two goals and assists. She looked really good in the two games against New Hampshire. Um, and then had a pretty good, pretty good forechecking effort for the assist against UConn, the only goal they scored in that game. So she was looking... For, especially for someone we said we need to see more of you at even strength um what can you do for us when we're not on the power of play when you don't have that advantage of being teed up in the slot um and i think she did a really good job of that in the three games and it's very disappointing we couldn't see more of her yeah you know when she was unavailable like you just knew this team's ceiling was lower and especially a team that had trouble scoring goals sometimes too bad that she wasn't available but uh only up from here for the yeah. uh incoming junior uh, next up, I think the final freshman on our list, Claire O'Leary, uh, coming in and um, having 12 games. Really, I'm surprised. She had 12 games, one goal, two assists. I honestly don't remember much about Claire O'Leary this season. Yeah, I believe she scored her first goal in the first game or the second game against UNH. Uh, okay. um, but again, kind of up and down the lineup, got plenty of opportunity, looked okay. Um, and I think just, again, with a full representation of what she can be and what this team can be next season, I think we get a better idea. Right. And she played every game. So she got as much yeah. experience as possible. I guess that's a positive. Uh, so the, something that you're in the lineup. Yep. And again, they did, they had what the cards they were dealt and had limited people available, but she got exactly. plenty of playing time, which says enough. Yep. Same, kind of same boat for the first of two Parkers, Grace, uh, who had 12 games, but no points this year. Yeah. I mean, so she had a pretty pleasantly surprising freshman year um, and was relied on a lot more than we expected. And I think we kind of, again, inflated what she could be, especially when, you know, you come into this, she's going to be a top four defender on this team. No, she's probably bottom pair. Um, someone who can just kind of hold their own, shut the other team down. And I think maybe a little too much was asked of her this season. Um, but again, she was, she was solid. She was fine. And I think for what she is, you, you have a pretty fine player. Alrighty, uh, the other Parker going from a sophomore to a junior is uh, McKenna Parker. The well, twelve games, four goals, two assists, six points. The uh, the third most on your team, tied for third, I guess. 
Yeah, I think it was a pretty nice bounce back for her. I mean, not, you can't even really say bounce back because she had five goals the season before, but she was so good as a freshman playing with Sammy Davis and Chesty Comp for last year. She's put a little further down the lineup and just can't seem – she's pretty snake-bitten for the entire first half of the year, then gets going. So you wonder what would have happened if she was able to find the back of the net and even just have some other passes to just get rack up more assists on more shots going in from from off her stick. Um at the beginning of the year, I think she she played well enough last year, just snake bitten. And you see this year playing with Comfort for a good amount of it. There's clearly a connection there. Maybe it's just the Jesse Comfort effect, but she always seems to play well with those bigger roles. So I think this is someone who, again, with a full representation next year, I think we can expect a little bit more return to form of what she was as a freshman with 13 goals and 19 points. Definitely. But it was a positive for her. It was yes. a good season for you know a year when a lot of people didn't have many um, productive seasons so good for her um getting into the final group here five to go and this might be the most interesting uh, and definitely most talked about player um of the season that being number 30 the goaltender kareen schroeder as a senior she had a save percentage of 0.911 goals against average of 223 and uh, a record of three and five patrick I mean, we, we've talked about this ad nauseum already in past shows, but she was I thought she was great this year. She did an, all that she could. Um, the team just happened to play better. It just seemed to play better in front of Kate Stewart than they did in front of her, but she gave you solid starts, solid minutes, only really one bad start. Um, and, you know, you, she's the best goaltender in team history statistically. Um, so you just wonder what the deal is with her staying or not um, and what that means for whoever someone we're talking about next. Yeah, um, but overall, very solid. Yeah, we'll save the the goaltending conversation for just a minute. But first, we have Christina Schuler, the senior forward who had uh, well twelve games pay- played, one goal and two assists. Like I said, fourth year. Again, that's the Ilya conversation of you. There was way more to be desired there. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah, you know, you had such a great connection with Desiree D'Souza, so there's probably a bit of a, a loss helper there. Um, but as someone who's an assistant captain expected to be that second line center, you just wish there was more to be desired. And again, it was a net positive, you know, when she was on the ice, she didn't hurt the team. You just want to see the puck go in the back of the net for whether it's assist or goals. Yep. And another player who maybe, you know, was asked to have a bigger role this year than in the past. And it was maybe a little bit too far. Um, but I think, you know, she's another player that maybe a fifth year and you can end the BU career on a little bit more of a high note. Uh, that would be certainly nice to see, but we'll find out. Uh, in the meantime, freshman Julia Shaughnessy had 11 games played, two goals, one assist. I mean, you talk about pleasantly surprising. Mm. Um, like, we knew she was going to have a spot in the lineup. She's a big defender. Um, you knew she was going to be pretty good in her own end. But I was not ready for the skating ability or the offensive instincts, um, both of which were phenomenal from what we saw. Just pleasantly surprising with her, with how she's able to move around the ice. Um, and I think she became a key part of the blue line at the end of the season. I would expect that. I would expect that to continue next year. Yeah. And she's got, you know, uh, not just the size that's evident, but then that little offensive ability in that game against Providence with those two goals, like who saw that coming. And even um, like against like BC and some other games, she got chances and just yeah. wouldn't like, it was whether it's phenomenal saves robbing her against BC or just not being able to f- just find it. Yeah. Um, I think it was overall a great season for her. Right. And that's something you can build off too. Like, I guess you, you still have Alex Allen there and she's not leaving the top four of defense anytime soon, but you've got your Mativi and then your, uh, 
and Shaughnessy, both with a little bit more size and, you know, certainly cannons offensively, but, you know, very good defensively too. And then you have the Giacchino and the Calderoni, a little bit more, you know, puck moving, smaller, you know, defenders. Um, it's a good combination there if they can get that experience and, you know, get things working. Uh, it's encouraging at least. So anyways, continuing with the goaltenders, uh, Kate Stewart, as you mentioned, Patrick, played very well this year, 942 save percentage, 163 goals against average, and a 3-1 and record playing in five games for BU as a junior. Yeah, she was great. Again, as usual, as we come to expect, um, it's just the matter of what happens next year. That's, I mean, you, there's not much to unpack from this season. She was great as, as you expected. And all the focus is on what happens next year, whether Kareem Schroeder stays and what that means for Kate Stewart. Do they do it? If, if stay, if both stay, is it a 50, 50 split? What happens? I mean, like this is someone she's going to have that extra fifth year. So if she stays, she's the starting goaltender the fifth year. Um, and maybe at that point, we she works because she's working her way into the conversation of also one of the best goaltenders this program has seen. She just doesn't have the games to meet the qualifications. So maybe you're at that point once she gets more time, but it's a whole conundrum of, you know, does she, if Kareem Schroeder stays, does she want to find more playing time somewhere? Yeah. And I, if I'm it's her, a fair, it's a fair uh, desire in her case. Yeah. That's, I mean, this is again like totally uninformed, obviously. But oh, if I'm uninformed. if I'm her, like I'm looking at it and I'm saying, you know, I, okay, I'm a junior. No, I'm going to be a senior now. And you know, in athletics, like they typically speed up the academic process. So she might be almost done, or maybe even finished now with her undergraduate degree. And so maybe she's thinking, okay, I have two more years I can play. You know, I, I like being here. I like Schroeder, but if she's sticking around too, I might as well go somewhere else I can play. You know, and we've talked about wouldn't it be cool to see her at BC, right? Just kind of the story there. And of course, they could use a goaltender like her. Um, but who knows? You know, maybe she wants that bigger opportunity that they won't be able to guarantee her with Schroeder sticking around. Or maybe Schroeder's headed out and that solves the issue for you. Um, but if you're Stewart, you know, I think, you know, the waiting game can only go on so long. Or maybe it, maybe it can, right? Maybe it, yeah, maybe you're maybe, comfortable. Maybe she's like, happy. Maybe that timeshare worked out, you know? I don't know. Like neither of them clearly won the job this year. So if, it, if they come in as is next year, I would imagine it would be a pretty similar situation where they'll split time. And then if one gets hot, you know, you ride them and it just didn't happen this year. They were kind of even the whole way. Um, but it, it's, it's hard to say like, that's a tricky situation. It's an embarrassment of riches. Like it's a good problem to have, but we'll see how it works out. Yeah. Yep. Last one on the list, Emma Wethrich, junior forward, nine games, one goal and two assists. I thought she was pretty good coming in about halfway through the year, I guess, technically, mm-hmm. although not as far as games go. And, you know, you haven't – you played, as Derosha said, probably played at about 60% last season, and you're coming off, I believe it was back surgery um, or hip surgery. He said whatever. Um, you're coming off a major injury, major procedure, and you have to work your way back up to speed. You miss plenty of time, and, you know, last year – snake bitten and throws are saying, you know, you're not getting the full picture of what this player can be. Mm-hmm. And this year she comes back and does some decent production in a bigger role um, in limited time and trying to work herself back up to speed at the same time. I was pretty encouraged. And I think she's going to have hopefully a pretty good season next year, closer to again, closer to what she was as a freshman with six goals and 10 points. Yeah, exactly. And it's another player that you're going to ask to make a little bit of a step up next year. And uh, you know, feels like she's ready for it but I guess we'll find out. That's going to be the whole team, right? It's hard to tell what this team's going to look like next year, and we'll get a better sense of that 
with players either staying or going. Um, but it is, you know, this it's kind of a transition period for BU after those couple of years where you were, you know, Davis and, and Cook and Comfer. You know, you, you have to change the identity a little bit here. So see how things play out. That's it for the entire women's hockey team, Patrick. Yeah. Um, overall, again, we just don't know exactly where this team is at right now. Yeah. In many of the players. And I don't want to sound like an idiot when I'm saying that Jesse Comfer might not get enough time because who knows what next year holds for the, for the PW and the, and the NWHL. Um, and I think either way, she's going to be in a great spot no matter where she is. Exactly. Yep. Cool. I think that does it. I think it does it as well. Yeah. What, does that do it for this season of the BU Hockey Show? Well, maybe not completely. Maybe the episodes will become a little more infrequent. Hmm. Um, obviously, we'll probably do shows. You know, there's bound to be news, whether it's, it's news. Um, you know, players being, selected, players being selected at the draft, schedules hopefully coming out soon. We're oh, gonna man. find out. We're gonna find out at some point in this offseason about the fifth year situation for the women's team. Um, so there's gonna be still plenty of news, um, but the episodes might just be a little more infrequent and might just unpack news as it comes. Um, but again, we'll probably send out programming updates on Twitter hmm. um, or what have you. But if this is it for the complete season one of the BU Hockey Show, just want to send a huge thank you as we always do. To who? The listeners. The devoted oh, listeners. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But, well, I mean, I don't know who else it would be. To, but Brian Smith, Steve Metcalf. To, yeah, well, to Brian Smith for joining us, Steve Metcalf for joining us, and for both of them making the season possible, the return yeah. to play committee. Um, you know, it wasn't without its hiccups, but to have it go off the way it did and with the Hockey East team on top and, you know, have the chance to be able to cover BU in the national tournament pretty – Pretty good season, I would say, to put it lightly. I mean, yeah, like where we were sitting in November where, you know, we just thought, well, might as well do a hockey show and see how this all goes. Um, it ended up actually kind of working out. We had a pretty representative season. I think we had a pretty consistent show, all things considered. And it was overall, a, you know, a pretty nice year. There's definitely a, locally here with BU, there are some, there's some room to grow and we'll hope for a little bit more team success. Um, maybe particularly on the women's side, but men too, right? Always want that upwards trajectory. Um, but yeah, I would assume, you know, the show will roll on just uh, less frequent over the off season here, like you said. Yeah. yeah. Well, in that case, you know where to find me at Patton12 on Twitter, Brady at Brady D. Gardner on Twitter, WTB Sports at WTB Sports. Find everything on the website at sites.bu.edu slash WTBU slash sports. Or again, as I always say, Google WTB radio. I promise you it's all there. If you don't want to remember that URL, but once again, huge thank you to everyone who's been along for the ride this season and we'll see you next time.